The fallout from Cody Epps' decision to enter the NCAA transfer portal continues in Provo. Who are the players BYU is targeting as a potential replacement for him in their lineup? We're talking about those options, as well as some good news for BYU basketball on the transfer portal front as Dawson Baker agrees to join the Cougars. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you for being an everydayer with us here, no matter when you're listening to the podcast and or watching it. We are very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The motto is your team every day. And as such, we are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Diving right in on today's show, Cody Epps' decision to enter the NCAA transfer portal continues to affect how BYU is operating right now. They're obviously trying to fill a hole in their lineup. I had the question posed to me, and I apologize. I don't have it pulled up, but somebody DM'd me. And actually, I think it was an anonymous account. Anonymous account, excuse me, if I can get those words out of my mouth, who asked me, Jake, why is such the furor over Cody Epps entering the transfer portal? Doesn't BYU have options to replace him? Sure, they do. They have two guys in particular, I think in Keanu Hill, as well as Chase Roberts. Both of them pretty proven options who will be the lead guys for BYU going into the Big 12 era this fall. But the problem is, of BYU's top six receivers from a year ago, statistically speaking, and overall just uh, what you'd consider to be their top six wide receivers, with Cody Epps leaving the program, there are now four of those six gone. That is the problem that BYU faces right now. Now, do they have some bodies on the roster who are going to step up in certain circumstances? I think so. I think Parker Kingston is actually a like-for-like replacement in many respects for what uh, Cody Epps brought to the BYU football program. The one thing I think Parker Kingston has on Cody Epps, just my personal feeling on this, is pure, unadulterated speed. Parker Kingston is one of the fastest guys for BYU, if not the fastest guy, both in pads and out of pads, and I think he will get a bigger opportunity going into training camp to show that. Could he be the guy who replaces that production? Absolutely, but we need to see that on the football field. BYU, I think, also is not betting on just standing pat. You probably paid attention on social media Monday evening. BYU offered a number of players out in the transfer portal. They joined, there's five total offers that were thrown out on Monday by my account. Those are at least the five that reported offers on social media. Those go in addition to two offers that went out Sunday. We talked about these yesterday. Uh, Jair Shorter from uh, North Texas, who is an absolutely explosive athlete, averaging over, I think, twenty, almost 20 yards uh, per reception during his time with the uh, North Texas Mean Green. And then Chase Sowell from Colorado, who's a big-bodied receiver, but only a year removed from high school. He's more of a project BYU would be bringing in to develop along the way. But BYU, as I mentioned, is not standing by. Fessy Satake, Aaron Roderick combing through the transfer portal and throwing out a number of offers. Let's talk about some of the options out there. Let's start off with Louisville wide receiver Chance Morrow, uh, a guy that, similar to the uh, conversation we just had about Chase Sowell from Colorado, he is a six foot six, 200-pound athlete who only has played one year of 
college football and actually never saw the field for the Louisville Cardinals. The thing about this is, though, his recruiting, if you look at his recruiting profile in 24-7 sports, he was very highly recruited out of high school, and his offer list in the transfer portal is quite extensive as well from a number of Power 5 programs. BYU, the one thing they will be able to offer any and all of these receivers with Cody Epps' departure is they can go and pull out that depth chart I just talked about and say, okay, these were our top six guys last year. You see, four of them are now gone. Would you like to be one of the four that replaces those four? That is the conversation you can offer, right? The conversation you can have and really pitch guys on when it comes to their offers. Playing time. You can come here and play right away. It is going to be something BYU can chase. But uh, the thing with Chance Morrow and I also Chase Sowell, as I mentioned, are both of them are guys who redshirted this past season at their respective programs. They'd be kind of more long play options for BYU. In terms of guys who would be a kind of plug and play right away, include Northwestern State uh, transfer Javon Antonio. He is coming from the FCS ranks, but he's a very very explosive athlete and a big-bodied athlete. Six foot four, two 220 pounds per the Northwestern State uh, roster. He was a second-team All-Southland Conference honoree this past season, tallying 684 yards on 64 receptions to go along with six touchdowns. He is a guy who's got one year of eligibility remaining. He is a grad transfer, and BYU could give him the opportunity, similar to a guy like Eddie Heckard, uh, jumping from the FCS ranks to the Power 5 ranks, to establish himself as a viable NFL candidate playing Power 5 football. That's got to be the pitch to a guy like Javon Antonio. Similar situation to UT Martin product EJ Smoot. He is a smaller wide receiver, more of a Cody Epps uh, type body, six foot one, 180 pounds. He was a fourth team Ohio Valley Conference honoree, tallied 32 receptions, 508 yards, and three touchdowns this past season uh, for UT Martin. Both of them, FCS stars, as I mentioned, would be obviously looking for the opportunity to jump up and prove themselves at the highest levels of football. And that's something that BYU you absolutely can pitch them on. A, playing time. B, we're going to the Power 5 Conference and you can be part of a rotation here that is in severe need of bodies to come in and play right away. Now, some other options that have popped up. Marshall wide receiver EJ Horton. There are two EJs here. EJ Horton, uh, similar to EJ Smoot, six foot, 180 pounds, out of Marshall from the Thundering Herd. Uh, modest stats: twelve receptions, 186 yards, and two touchdowns. But if you look at his offer sheet and the reports about his offers in the transfer portal, he is getting quite a bit of attention, despite having not necessarily standout statistics. So BYU has tossed their hat in that ring. But the guy that I am most intrigued by, the guy I think, if of these five, the BYU should be chasing the absolute most, is who I'm going to talk about next: former UConn wide receiver Keelan. Marion. Uh, similar size to the two aforementioned EJ Horton and EJ Smoot. Uh, Keelan Marion measures in at six foot, 200 pounds, but an explosive athlete. He was the Huskies leading receiver this past year with 474 yards on just 28 receptions. Pretty explosive there. It's somewhere around 15 yards per reception. Also five touchdowns. I think he is a like-for-like replacement in terms of body type, skill set, and stats for a guy like uh Cody Epps. So BYU is not st- standing back, folks. There are some of you that expressed on social media and reply to some of the tweets I sent out there. Well, what's BYU going to go go do? Are they just going to rely on the guys that are on the roster? No. BYU understands, and they talked about this during spring ball. They already knew they had to hit the transfer portal and find multiple options at wide receiver. Cody Epps' departure, as weird as it is, makes it even more pressing for BYU. So they, in the last 
two days, 48 to 72 hours, have issued seven offers that have been reported. That's the thing about this is there are hundreds of wide receivers in the transfer portal, and I would guarantee, I, I put big money, that at least one, two, maybe three guys that aren't necessarily as savvy or as interested in social media may have received offers from BYU, just have not reported them. BYU is not standing idly by and saying, well, we're going to twiddle our thumbs and figure it out from there. They are doing their homework. They're uh, grinding on the tape, trying to find any and all options out there. The other good news I can pass along to you guys is that according to The Athletic, Max Olson from The Athletic has a top 25 list that's kind of a rotating list of the top 25 options in terms of transfer portal targets out there. Seven of the top 25 currently are wide receivers on his most recent list. The top three, one, two, three, are all wide receivers. Zachary Franklin from UTSA leads the thing. 94 receptions, sixth in all of FBS last year for 1,136 yards and 15 touchdowns. As you would expect with those stats, Martin has got all kinds of, excuse me, Franklin, excuse me, has got all kinds of offers out there. He is getting intention from everybody. I do not know if BYU is offered, but I would assume if BYU is offering all these other guys, there's no reason not to throw your hat into this ring uh, speaking of a guy like Zachary Franklin and see what happens. The worst that he can say is no and go somewhere else. Up next, Michigan State's Keon Coleman. 58 receptions, 798 yards, and 7 touchdowns this past year for Michigan State in the Big Ten. He was the Spartans' leading receiver. He was actually one of the big uh, departures from their program on the final day of the transfer portal window, along with their starting quarterback and a starting defensive back for MSU. He'd be a guy I'm, I'm telling you, BYU should be throwing offers at any and all of these guys if they feel like they can hack it at BYU. And what I mean by that is they got to understand that what BYU is all about. The honor code, the academics, they have to fit in with the culture of what BYU football is doing. And if they can pass the quote-unquote sniff test on all that, I'd throw an offer at them. The third one that's number three on the list here according to The Athletic is Jordan Hudson. Now, He's a former top 100 recruit in the 2022 recruiting class, was brought in by Sonny Dykes, had 14 catches, 174 yards, and three touchdowns as a backup this past season as TCU made their run to the national title game. But he has got the skills to pay the bills. He is a similar guy to two of the guys we talked about who are redshirt freshmen. He is a guy that BYU could bring in and say, hey, you have an opportunity to grow here. You'd still be playing in the Big 12. You have a chance to go back up against TCU and show them what's what. There is a number of options on this top 25 sheet, along with uh, one guy that BYU previously has already made contact with in Montana, Lamonius Craig. He is number eight on this list. His teammate at Colorado, uh, the third Colorado wide receiver we're going to talk about here, is Jordan Tyson, who is number seven on this list. So let me just suffice it to say, there are no shortage of options for BYU to go out and replace a guy like Cody Epps. The other thing about this is, is I think some of the furor over Cody Epps leaving is because he was such a breakout star last year. But let's also caution one thing. I, it's something I probably failed to talk about yesterday. I need to mention here. How many games did Cody Epps really play in the three years he was in a BYU uniform? Eight. Eight games in three years. He went through multiple major surgeries during his time at BYU. And to BYU's credit, they believed in him from the get-go. Guys like Aaron Roderick, Fessy Satake were on him from the minute one down there at Modern Day High School. So many programs, Power 5 level programs, overlooked this kid because he wasn't big enough, he wasn't fast enough, but all he did was produce on the football field at one of the preeminent high school football programs and BYU swooped in and picked him up. He has now turned his back on BYU. It's been well reported. I can confirm it. 
environment that he blindsided BYU staff and his teammates with his decision to enter the transfer portal on Sunday. And since, unless I am mistaken, he has been very reticent or outright has not responded to any and all inquiries, texts, calls, uh, just people trying to get in touch with him about this decision. It's unfortunate the way it unfolded because this is a kid who had ingratiated himself so well at BYU. Think about this. Guy attending General Conference, uh, tweeting about uh, teammates joining the program, including Kaylee BTN. A big part of the recruiting process to get Keaton Slovis to Provo in the first place. And the second he gets uh, an opportunity to bolt, he jumps out the door. That It's a bad look for a guy like uh, Cody Epps, but unfortunately, it's kind of the reality of where things stand right now for BYU and the rest of college football with name, image, and likeness in the transfer portal. Guys are getting opportunities out there with big money offers, and it's money, folks. Money talks. I had a, I, my, my, I'm had probably out my dad in this circumstance, but he told me multiple times in my life, money it is not necessarily the end-all, be-all in life, but you can do a lot of stuff with a lot of money, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. And this is an opportunity for these kids to make money, and the sad part is it's being twisted and manipulated, and it's being used to induce guys to leave programs that they have had a big impact on. I'm talking about Keaton, uh, not Keaton Slovis, Cody Epps here. It's given them an opportunity to just step out on a program that has essentially stood by them time and time and time again, and it's unfortunate the way it has unfolded, but... Cody Epps was a breakout star, but let's also caution you. He dealt with numerous injuries during his time at BYU, and as I am fond of saying on this podcast, the best ability is availability, and Cody Epps, outside of a six, seven, eight-game span last season, when has he been available? Very rarely, and that is uh, one thing that needs to be noted in all of this. Now, with regards to moving forward for BYU, I think there is also another topic we need to talk about, and that is just re- with regards to the overall tenor of how the transfer portal has treated BYU this offseason. And I actually think that uh, some of us, myself included to a degree, have lost sight of all of that, and we're going to talk about that coming up in just a moment. First, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel right now during the NBA playoffs my friends, because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win, my friends. So check it out. You have great promotions, by the way, daily. They've got options like, okay, this player's playing today. What do you think in terms of their overall ability to score this many points, over or under? Or in a guy, case like, uh, I don't know, maybe Steph Curry. How many threes do you think he'll make in the next playoff game? they got all that. The best part is it's a safe and secure app and the uh, I guess the third part of this, you can get paid out instantly. You want your cash. If you're going to be gambling, you want the money in your bank account as quickly as possible. Once you get those winnings, they will pay them out instantly. There's no having to hit a reserve amount to get paid out. FanDuel takes care of you guys. So there's no better place to bet on all the playoff action with, with America's number one sports book right now, my friends. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. FanDuel, official sports bet partner of the NBA. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Thank you in particular to all of you who are everydayers. Thousands of you on our regular podcast feeds and thousands of you also on YouTube checking out this podcast on the daily. I cannot thank you guys enough for doing it. It's so much fun to sit down and talk BYU. As I, as I talk about uh, th- all things Cougars, uh, the best part is is your guys' interaction. And trust me, the reaction yesterday all over the place with regards to Cody Epps. But it brings me to my point here. 
I think some of us, and I, I will I will say this myself, I think yesterday's podcast, I lost sight of one important thing that was pointed out to me by a friend of mine as we were talking back and forth about the Cody Epps situation. It came down to that we talked about, okay, how many guys has BYU lost in the transfer portal versus how many guys have they gained in the transfer portal this offseason, and is it a net positive or a net negative? Cody Epps is a blow. There's no doubt about it. But if you, I think if you weigh all of the additions BYU made via the transfer portal this year, I can think of Keaton Slovis, A.J. Vongpachan, Caleb Etienne, uh, Aiden Robbins, on down the list, uh, Isaiah Banya, Jackson Cravens. Man, there, there's a number of I truly believe that the additions to the BYU football program via the transfer portal this offseason far far outweigh the losses, even with Keenan Slovis factored into this. And I, in fact, there is actually a national talking head who agrees with me on this. Let's talk about this as well. Uh, some great news if you are if you really care about this type of thing, but ESPN on their Insider channel, which I am a subscriber to, uh, did a retrospective of the Spring Portal period uh, with guys like Tom Luganbill. I, I think Tom Van Heron was also on it. Some of their recruiting experts. But Tom Luganbill said BYU was his pick as the most improved team from the spring window. And he actually didn't point to anything like a Keaton Slovis, or he didn't point necessarily to Aiden Robbins, because those guys are from the winter uh, transfer portal window. He pointed to the offensive line additions for BYU, most notably with Caleb Etienne joining the program. He thinks that BYU, in particular, their upgrades along the offensive front are going to lend themselves to BYU being a better program. Let me also acknowledge that this uh, article, if I'm not mistaken, was written slash released around the same time that the Cody Epps information uh, information, the, the transfer portal uh, entrance was coming to light. So that may have affected his calculus, but I, I, I take it for what it's worth. Tom Luganbill, who is actually one of the preeminent guys in terms of recruiting on the ESPN side of things, he does a lot of sideline games. I've seen him in a number of BYU games in recent years uh, doing his sideline duties on the ESPN broadcast. He thinks BYU is his most improved team in the spring portal window. I completely agree with him. I, like I said, I will take the fall for this. I, I think lost sight of Cody Epps' departure. Yes, it's a blow to the BYU football program, but if you, I think if you weigh top to bottom the overall additions to the program versus the outgoing guys, uh, I think that BYU absolutely is uh, far and away a better program via the transfer portal th- uh, through the winter portal window as well as the spring portal window with more still to come potentially as well as we already talked about a number of wide receiver offers out there. I think BYU is only going to continue to get better here and that's that should give you some hope uh, speaking of the BYU football program. Yes, they need to find some wide receivers. Absolutely. They did lose another offensive lineman. Vaisoy Fua announced that he is entering the the transfer portal yesterday. He officially went in on Sunday. On the final day, the portal was open. The, the announcement came on Monday. Uh, he said that I appreciated my time at BYU, but I decided I need to look elsewhere. I've got four years of eligibility remaining, and so be it. Vi was a guy who was running with the threes and the fours along the offensive front throughout the entirety of spring ball. According to my notes, I went back and kind of looked through. Uh, he didn't necessarily ever make a push up the depth chart, and he may have just kind of seen the writing on the wall and decided it was time for him to look elsewhere. Uh, I liked Vi coming out of high school. I actually thought he was a very, very uh, talented offensive lineman. Nice frame, six foot four, two 290 pounds, but unfortunately, he has decided that his fortunes are better uh, sought out elsewhere, and uh, there's always the opportunity, I will acknowledge this, that guys can return to the program, uh, but in this circumstance, it's kind of reading between the lines. I think Vi is no longer going to be a BYU Cougar, or similar, similar to the Cody Epps situation. Now, I, I, something I meant to mention earlier, I probably should mention this as well, I'm just kind of looking at my notes, uh, is that the Cody Epps situation 
is unfortunately a side effect of everything going on in NIL that's wrong, my friends. I, I think I alluded to it in our first part of today's podcast, but there are people out there representing different entities, a college football program, agencies. They, they have in their minds an opportunity to make a buck off of a kid, and they are getting into anybody's ear that they think that they can pry away from a program and steer towards another program with the promise of cash. This is what's happening in college football today. I can tell you with unequivocal, uh, I can tell you unequivocally, I should say, that this is not an honor code. It's not an academic issue for Cody Epps. It is purely NIL. I talked with enough people connected to the program, people that I trust implicitly on this, who made it very clear that he is chasing the money in this circumstance. Is it a family member of his that got into his ear and told him how to do this? Is it an agent? I, I don't know that part of it, but I can tell you, any speculation of this being, a, he broke the honor code and decided he needed to leave the program or he has, he's has he been struggling with academics, it's none of that, based on the conversations that I had with people, and trust me, these people would and should be in the know with regards to this. They said it was simply an NIL opportunity and he blindsided everybody in the program. And I mean everybody. There was no indication this was going to happen, but unfortunately, Cody Epps decided to turn his back on a program, like I said, that stood by him time and time again, was very patient, developing him, believed in him when many other programs, in fact, I would imagine almost every other program out there did not believe in him coming out of high school, too small, too slow. Uh, his production at the high, at the high school level doesn't, doesn't translate. BYU believed in him, and he turns his back on this program. That's a pretty rough look for that young man. But alas, it is NIL-related. So don't get all the speculation you want out of the way. It's not honor code. It's not academics. Let me reiterate that one more time. Take it to whatever message board you want to. Every so often, I don't go to Cougar Board. Every so often, I will get somebody who sends me a message referencing something from my podcast from Cougar Board. If you want to put it up there and make it very clear and link the podcast so people can hear it with their own ears. Let me reiterate one more time. This was an NIL uh, induced, I, I guess, transfer for Cody Epps. And it's a tough, tough situation for BYU to navigate. But there is good news, though. If you are a BYU basketball fan, the transfer portal may have taken away from BYU football. But yesterday, Monday, the transfer portal delivered for BYU. We're talking about that coming up here as we continue on on Locked on Cougars. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you for checking us out and making, us, making yourself an everyday. If you have not done so already, subscribe or follow the show wherever you're listening in from, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. If you're watching this on YouTube, I'm pointing down right here. Hit that follow slash subscribe button and hit the bell icon next to it that enables notifications so that way when a new episode drops, you will be able to hear it slash watch it immediately after it debuts. All right, a couple of notes before we go uh, on today's show. First off, congratulations. Congratulations to the BYU men's basketball program are in order. I did a short on this shortly after the news came out yesterday. But Dawson Baker has committed and signed with the BYU men's basketball program for the upcoming season. He has two years of eligibility remaining, but the good news is this is a proven product at the Big West level. He played kind of similar level to what the West Coast Conference is. So if you want a a comparison of what Dawson Baker's level of competition is, I'd compare it in many respects to what BYU faced all those years in the West Coast Conference. I know they don't have necessarily Gonzaga there in the Big West Conference, but I think the 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 kind of the middle pack, middle of the pack when it comes to the West Coast Conference is comparable to the Big West. Uh, Dawson Baker, a six foot four, 190 pound guard from UC Irvine originally, a guy who grew up in Southern California, Cota de Casa, I believe is his hometown. 
spent three seasons at UC Irvine after serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, averaged double-digit points all three years during his time as an anteater. Former um, Big West Freshman of the Year, his freshman season, all Big West second team honoree this past year. And the good news is, he has great numbers scoring-wise. He gets to the rim. He actually draws a ton of fouls. I think it was uh, Robbie McCombs mentioned this. Per KenPalm.com, he is in the top 200 players in the country in terms of uh, drawing fouls and getting the free throw line, which is where he's something he has absolutely made uh, his impact for the Anteaters, and I would imagine that will continue at BYU. But also, it's not that he just gets to the rim and gets to the charity stripe and adds points. He also shoots the three at a pretty high level, averaging 37% this past year for the Anteaters. He has got great shooting numbers. He's got good size for a guard, and the nice part is, like I said, proven production at the at the G, if, I guess the uh, mid-major level, I guess I should say. In college basketball. He started 71 of 79 career games with the Anteaters. He's been a very, very good player for them. I expect at minimum he will be a high-level backup for BYU, if not challenging for a starting job with BYU's lineup. The nice part is, if you look at BYU's lineup right now, you got Dallin Hall and Spencer Johnson, who I would project probably as your 1-2 combo at guard. But then you got Jackson Robinson and Fuseni Traore kind of on the wings there with Ali Khalifa, the other addition via the transfer portal, uh, holding down the middle. But the nice part is Dawson Baker along with Richie Saunders, if those are your two main options coming off the bench for BYU, you could be in a lot worse spots if you're BYU men's basketball. You also have Atiki Ali Atiki holding down the middle along with Noah Waterman. And Tanner Toulson, uh, he showed some flashes before suffering that season-ending injury as a guard for BYU. So, suddenly this young, uh, kind of feisty roster that BYU basketball has doesn't look nearly as bad as it did maybe going into the offseason when the season ended. Now, a number of the guys from that disappointing team are being held over on this program, but you're going to hope, uh, and this is what Mark Pope obviously is hoping, is that with work during the offseason, going through training camp, obviously having guys work on their individual skill sets, there is going to be a market improvement versus turning over the roster once again like he did last year with 12 new additions last year. They currently only have the two new additions as things stand right now. I think that's the better uh, way to go about things right now because it's a young core that BYU is trying to build around here, and a guy like Dawson Baker having two years of eligibility. He comes in as a veteran presence, but also is not going to be a hired gun for just one season. He can come in and grow with this program at the Power 5 level. He knows what BYU is all about. As a member of the LDS Faith Return Missionary, he knows everything that the BYU offers. And the other thing about this is a recruiting win over BYU's arch rivals. He was considering essentially his finalists were Boise State, Utah State, the University of Utah, and BYU. So BYU just beat out their three main rivals uh, in beating out all of them to get his signature. He's officially signed with BYU. They sent out the release last night. I think this is a phenomenal pickup for BYU basketball. So tip of the cap uh, to Cody Feger, uh, Nick Robinson, uh, who else am I thinking? Mark Pope, obviously, and the entirety of the BYU men's basketball program. I think they absolutely got better with the addition of Dawson Baker to the BYU men's basketball program. All right, final few notes here on today's show include a, a tough loss for BYU. They hosted uh, BYU softball, I should say. They hosted number two UCLA at Gail Miller Field yesterday. UCLA has the second longest uh, win streak in the country right now. It's something like 20 games. Maybe not that many. It's like at least 17 games. They lost seven two, speaking of the Cougars, despite hitting two home runs in that loss. BYU has just six games remaining in the regular season. They will have their uh, final home series of the season against Pacific this weekend, a doubleheader Friday, as well as Senior Day on Saturday afternoon, and then they will finish out the season the following week out in St. Mary's in Moraga. So, 
If you want to get out and watch BYU softball, you got one more chance this weekend to do just that. So I'd encourage you guys to check that out. Also, big congratulations are in order to the BYU men's golf program. Bruce Brockbank, obviously the longtime coach, has been named Coach of the Year by the West Coast Conference. BYU's final year in the West Coast Conference. Might as well scoop up all the honors. They won the team title at the WCC Championships. Zach Jones won the individual medalist honors at the West Coast Conference Championships. And he also made the all-conference team. So congratulations to Zach Jones. He was also joined by his teammates Carson Lundell and Max Brench on those all-conference teams. Carson made the all-conference team. Max Branchley was honorable mention. BYU will find out tomorrow where they, will, where they will be participating in the NCAA regionals. The draw, I think, is like at 11 a.m. Mountain Time on a Golf Network if you want to check that out. But a big opportunity staring BYU golf in the, in the face to go out there in the NCAA regionals and hopefully make it to the NCAA championships as well. Final note on today's show is another look back at a tough loss for BYU in the 2016 season. We talked yesterday about the debut uh, for BYU when it came uh, to their uh, to the uh, start of the Kalani Satake era, and it was it was an interesting situation uh, coming out of that game because, as we already talked about, BYU was uh, riding pretty high. Jake the Make uh, starts his legend as a kicker coming in cold off the bench, makes that field goal. But the bigger thing is is that BYU was going into a game against the University of Utah, riding pretty high. They had a, had a a solid outing, but they had struggled to score in terms of getting inside the red zone. And that was the tough part uh, for BYU is in that game against Arizona, the red zone efficiency was not good. The problem was they went into this game against the University of Utah and struggled with that exact same thing. Many of you will recall this loss for BYU. Ended up 20 to 19 was the final. BYU fought tooth and nail. It was a 13, excuse me, 14 to 13 game at halftime with Utes in the lead. The Utes added a field goal in the third quarter to go up a 17 13, and then uh, added another field goal to make their final tally their 20 points. But BYU, Taysom Hill, just never gave in in this game, and they rallied all the way back. He scores a touchdown on a run with, I think it was seven seconds left, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to get BYU within one point. And BYU decides, we're not playing for overtime. We're going for the win here. Kalani Satake, as you might recall, uh, got himself a uh, an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for a pretty, pretty bad uh, uh pass interference call in this game. Actually, no, it was a targeting call, if I recall correctly. Uh, I think it was against, I'm trying to think of the player it was, but nonetheless, he was going wild. But BYU decided we're going for the win here. The problem was the play call, absolutely atrocious. I cannot defend Ty Detmer's play call in that scenario. It was supposed to be like, a, I guess, a run pass option, but there was really no pass option. Uh, Taysom essentially received the snap and just tried to find an opening to get up. Uh, the, so he ran in for a seven-yard touchdown with 18 seconds remaining. First-year coach Kalani Satake decided to go for the win, but a draw up the middle by Hill was stuffed. You should have gone with a one run pass option. If Taysom sees an opening, obviously, being the incredible athlete he is, you should absolutely Absolutely, let him do his thing. Uh, if you recall, Sunia Tautioli had two interceptions. One of them, I believe, wasn't it a pick six, if I recall correctly, in this game? But just a tough, tough loss that extended BYU's misery in terms of their uh, their inability to get a win over their rival. Troy Williams was not good for Utah in this game. He had one touchdown to three interceptions versus zero touchdowns to two interceptions for Taysom Hill. So really, really tough game. But BYU comes up short in this one. And it's just one of those things that makes, yeah, Sunia Tautioli, one of them was a pick six. I, I was right about that. Kainakua had two interceptions in this game. It's just It was unfortunate BYU could not have had a better play call. And I'm not going to lie, 
that game, in some respects, looking back at some of the play calling in that game and thinking back on it, that may have indicated, you know, maybe Ty Detmer's in a little bit over his head. But, hey, you know what? That's We'll talk about that as, as it unfolds over the next two seasons as we talk about these games. BYU would have a, another tough game as they headed in uh, to UCLA the following week, and we'll talk about that one on tomorrow's show. I'm actually trying to find, I had the answer, the, so I threw out a, a, a trivia question uh, yesterday about the first touchdown scored by BYU in that Arizona game, and obviously uh, it was, in the, for a number of you who responded, it was the, uh, um, what am I trying to say? It w- I'm I'm doing two things at once. I apologize for this, but nonetheless, is it was a it was a really really interesting win. Uh, excuse me, a win for BYU that Braden L. Bakri was the first Cougar to score a touchdown for BYU in that one, and it's just one of those things that uh, kind of a fun little tidbit. And I think I've got this here. Where let me find find this. Okay, here we go. Maybe not. I apologize. One of you responded on YouTube uh, that, like, not even like 30 minutes after that podcast went up, you must have been one of the first listeners slash watchers to the podcast that checked it out. And uh, I got to first off say thank you for checking out the podcast as quickly as you did. But it was a ton of fun to see that answer come in right away. And like I said, I'm scrolling through this as I looked uh, look for this answer. But I apologize. It's one of those things that I, you know, sometimes I don't prepare necessarily as perfectly as I should, and I. Probably Probably should have pulled that up, but nonetheless, uh, they, uh, unfortunately, you know who you are. Oh, there you go. Outsider opinion? No, that wasn't outsider opinion. He came in uh, after the fact, but nonetheless, uh, crazy, crazy stuff all the same, and regardless, thank you for your support of the podcast, as always. So, uh, by the way, Cannot thank you guys enough for your support. Uh, We have a lot of people who try to imitate what we do on this podcast, and you guys know that we are the originator of the daily podcast for BYU. So thank you for your support. Thank you for making us uh, your first listen every day. Thank you for being every dare and sticking with us through all of everything going on with BYU. Uh, Maybe at some point this week I'll talk tight ends and get that interview with Ethan Erickson to you guys. I can't promise that at this point. Uh, Tomorrow on the show, who knows what's going to happen. Could five more wide receivers get offers? Sure, we may be breaking that down but if not we may just talk tight ends tomorrow because that actually is a part of the conversation with regards to finding uh, options in the passing game for BYU wide receivers are nice and BYU does need wide receivers but can guys like Isaac Rex Ethan Erickson etc be a big part of the passing game more so than they have been in the past well only time will tell and we'll talk about that on tomorrow's podcast. So there you go. That is today's edition of the show. A big thank you for your support as always. Have a great rest of your day whenever you're listening and or watching us. And like I said, we'll reconvene tomorrow talking all things BYU right here on the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya.